0: We are live. Good afternoon, America, and welcome to Carry the Load's Lesson from the Front, our first episode since uh, Carry the Load this year. This is the podcast that seeks to inspire us all to do just a little bit more for our communities and nation, and we do this by carrying the memory of those who gave everything for us. I'm your host, Todd Boating, and I'm excited to introduce tonight's guest. His name is Dan Rickert. Dan is a veteran of the United States Army Special Forces, and a graduate of the United States Military Academy at West Point, Lieutenant Dan. Welcome to Lessons from the Front,
1: my friend. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate yeah, so, it. I, so I wish I, the I, Lieutenant Dan remark was the original, but, you know, Todd, we're not going to hold it against you. That's all right. No. no <laughs> uh,
0: Marine Corps, okay? I mean, you know, listen, you go. we, we, we're, we're good about things like that, but we, we make it better. You know, we take it and make it better. So I do have to ask, though. Sure. Tell me that you did not get that just beat into your head coming out of the academy? I mean, it happened a couple
1: times. Yeah, it did happen a couple times. Um, it was, uh, you know, my, I, and I'll, I'll tell you a bit about my mom actually started a, a nonprofit in the Chicagoland area and um, they held a concert every summer where Gary Sinise performed. So not only did I, um, was I called Lieutenant Dan in the military, but I actually got to meet the original Lieutenant Dan a couple of times, which was, uh, which was pretty fun as well.
0: You know I have heard that he is just an exceptionally kind human being.
1: Is yeah great that- person, yeah, yeah, for sure and and somebody who's truly committed to to uh, making the world a better place for a lot of our military veterans, which is a which is certainly a I think a passion both you and I share as well.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. so okay, so you mentioned mom. what is who was Dan before the military? I mean, were you just, I mean, you went to the Academy. So, I mean, my assumption is that you were straight A's never in any trouble. Uh, You're just, you know, right down the middle.
1: I um Yeah, no, I, I was born uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. My, uh, and you know, it's funny thinking about 4th of July uh, this, this past week, um, you know, my, on my dad's side, my family immigrated here from, from Germany. Um, and actually ended up fighting in the revolutionary war. So my son and I are sons of the American revolution. So it's always a, Oh wow! Um, always a special holiday for us when you think about the, um, you know, multiple generations of folks that took a, took a risk on this American experiment. Um, so, but no, grew up in, uh, you know, was born in Ohio to uh, two parents who, you know, came from generation of blue collar um, workers, firemen, police officers. Um, and my grandfather served in the Navy. Uh, my uncle served in Vietnam. And uh, you know, move. I moved to Chicago when I was about four years old, and really consider the Chicagoland area my home. That's that's really where I grew up. Um, but always had this big family, both my mom and dad's side. You know, my mom had seven brothers, uh, my dad had six siblings, so I was always surrounded by family and folks that really um, had this attitude of service. So I always kind of knew I wanted to go into the military at some point. I was very inspired by, you know, my grandfather was was in the Navy in World War II in Korea. Um, and uh, you know, it was it was something that was really inspiring to me. Um, my senior year of high school was September 11th, so that certainly kind of sealed the deal uh, on my end, knowing that we were a country about to go to war. Um, you know, it sort of solidified my resolve as as wanting wanting to attend the academy. Um, was fortunate to get into to West Point. Uh, was a you might not believe it now, but I was a high school runner uh, back in the day. So was able to go run at, at West point, get recruited to, uh, to run there. Um, I, and I
0: believe it, Dan, because at one time I was skinny.
1: There you go. So, there you, go. you know, I mean, it, anything's possible. When I tell people I was a college athlete, they usually ask, you know, football rugby. And I say, no, track and cross country. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's all good, but <laughs> no. So sp- spent four years at the Academy, um, certainly learned a lot. Um, you know enjoyed my time there made some incredible friendships uh learned some incredible things to be to be from a place like west point is is pretty neat and i think that i've seen that certainly since i've left the community of academy folks is pretty great um you always have somebody whatever city you go to um which is pretty awesome um i i graduated the academy so why why west point though
0: yeah, well, yeah West Point. I mean, you know, you, you had yeah. other academies, you had other, I mean, Ohio State, obviously, is a big, <laughs> it's a big draw. Uh, I mean,
1: yeah, interestingly enough, my wife was recruited there and she had a, she had a Oh, I didn't know response. that. Yeah, she didn't go there. She didn't end up going. She was like, no, thanks. This isn't for me. Um, so we always joke about that. For me, it was, it just felt it was, it was right. There was something about the mission, the values that I think really spoke to me and um, yeah. I just ended up being the right place.
0: So you were a pretty uh, pretty good kid then you, did, you didn't really uh, do a whole lot of of wayward uh, behaviors and and you were able to really capitalize on your family's service. I mean, was it a foregone conclusion that you were going into the military at some point?
1: or was oh, I, it I don't think so. I certainly, certainly I didn't certainly didn't come from a family where we were a military family where that was just assumed. Um, And I think my mom would tell you she she was certainly nervous about me going into the military. Um, So, no, it was definitely. And that's something I I think that's the thing I reflect on often as a parent now when people ask me, hey, would you would you let your kids serve? Would you want them to serve? Um, I think you and I probably both know uh, you you just tell them they can't do something. They're probably going to want to do it even more. Right. Oh, yes. And if you tell but them no. they're
0: going to do something, they're going to hate it and hate you for it. So
1: <laughs> Exactly. It's all about reverse but psychology. No, my, That's what I've learned. My family was very supportive the whole way, but it was certainly my decision.
0: So 9-11, you're in high yep. school. Yep. And it's it, I'm starting to really feel my age here because I've talked to a couple of people on this program now who were in high school when that happened. I was literally just getting out. Yeah. T- talk to me, though, about, do you remember conversations between you and your friends about what was going on and what it meant? Because there were obviously there was a lot of talk shortly thereafter about drafts and, you know, we're going to war. Tell me what that was like from, from the perspective of a high school senior.
1: Yeah, it was. um, I mean, I remembered the day I'm sure like most Americans do. Um, I was sitting in a high school history class, watching a, a movie, about ho chi minh and the vietnam war ironically enough um interesting and we you know uh i i just my mom had lost a dear friend uh, literally two days earlier had passed away um and so we were our family was still kind of dealing with that and processing that um and i remember just walking outside and and you know calling my mom on a payphone obviously because we didn't have i did not have a cell phone then and just saying hey do you need me to come home like what what is going on my dad was traveling my dad actually was was flying that day uh this Mm. plane was grounded so there was just um it was a moment I I clear as day remember walking out my high school by our locker room and looking up at the sky and seeing this I mean it was a gorgeous day right we all remember it was a perfect blue sky where I was in Chicago and just being like what is what is going on um and sort of that sense of "This, this is real like something's about to happen um and I think everyone certainly process it differently folks. Um, I, you know, there was definitely talks about drafts. I think my high school classmates, I mean, I graduated high school in 2002. So, you know, in a lot of ways going to West Point spared me four years of some of the, the really tough parts of the Iraq and Afghanistan conflict. And certainly there were tough mm-hmm. parts after that. Um, but I had a lot of friends who enlisted and, you know, uh, and certainly saw serious, serious combat, whether it was in the ground invasion of Iraq or onward to, to Fallujah and things like that. Um, so yeah, it was—it's—it's a—I would say probably a defining point for a lot of folks in our generation, for sure.
0: So you—you graduate high school, two thousand two, go to the academy, and I'm assuming that uh, was that a, a four-year. The were you on the five-year plan there?
1: No, I was there for four years.
0: Yep. Well, hey. It's not a it's not an unfair question. I was in college for like eight years. So, I mean, you know,
1: you know, I uh, nobody lauds me for my grades at West Point. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> so, but somehow I, I made it through onward to onward to the Army.
0: So you had a lot of very interesting experiences and I was fortunate enough to um, to do the first leg of the East Coast uh, relay with you uh, from West Point. Uh, and then we went down to uh, Ground Zero, which which is the first time I've done that leg. And and it was, I remember talking to you about a lot of your experiences. So you end up in the Special Forces. Sure. And I, I don't know where you want to take this, but I want to tell you what stood out to me when we talked. And that was your, your experience in dealing with the locals. And yeah. you, if I'm not mistaken, you took some some, you took some risks where you really kind of put yourself out there to, uh, to win the, the locals over. Am I, am I stretching the truth there? Or is that accurate?
1: No, I, I would. Um, no, I think that's fair. And that's, you know, it's I think part of what you do as a, as a special forces officer and a special forces team really. Um, but I would say, you know, one of the things that inspired me to become a green beret um, when I was a, when I was a armor cavalry officer, Deployed to Iraq, um, I saw a special forces team get invited to a mosque in a historic city in Iraq. And at the time, we, you know, nobody went into there. There was a whole old city area that you just did not go into, and this was a bad place, right? Um, and this special forces team had been invited by the imam to come in and, and uh, take a tour of this mosque. And it, it, I was dumbfounded. I mean, it just blew my mind that you know what I sort of knew of, of SF was I think what a lot of people know is, you know, the snake eaters, the tough guys. Um, and, and here's a group of six fellows uh, who have just bridged a cultural gap in a way that was, you know, a battalion of army uh, cav folks couldn't, couldn't do. And I think from that point forward, I, I just saw the power um, in building some of these localized relationships and what, what that can really do once you get on the ground. So I tried to, tried to really take that forward with me um, you know, as I, as I served.
0: Can, can you go into a little more of the specifics there and, and, and set the context a little bit? I mean, when, uh, and I can try and, you know, tee it up for you a little bit, obviously when you, uh, you know, a lot of people think of the military, especially special forces as just going in and, and it's all, you know, grit and brawn and, and you're just using nothing but, but muscle and force. Um, but the goal at the end of the day, correct me if I'm wrong, is really to win the hearts and minds. Because if all you do is steamroll people, they're going to, they're going to resent and regret.
1: And yeah, so I mean, the, what did these yeah. guys
0: do that, that you really latched onto and said, man, that's the way to do it.
1: Well, you know, the motto of, of the Green Berets is uh, de oppressor bear right? Free the oppressed. Um, and that is born from um, a legacy of, for, you know, since World War II, the OSS jumping in with the, with the French resistance, um, working to fight uh, with people against evil, right? And I, I really do believe that that's uh, a noble cause, right? And so I was, um, I was always really impressed by the caliber of, of Special Forces soldiers that I served with who were diplomatic when they needed to be, who were warriors when they needed to be, who could uh, brief a, a local leader and then 10 minutes later brief an American general. Um, And I think there's just, you know, there's a couple of things. One is just um, special forces allowed me to see the world in in some really unique ways and go to places that I never uh, never would have imagined. I spent a lot of time in Africa and there was just some real perspective there, right? Seeing um, one, how hard life can be for people outside the United States, my deep appreciation for the country that we live in is born really out of seeing um, a lot of other countries in this world. Right. And uh, yeah, that was, that was, I think at the end of the day, a lot of people just want to live in peace and raise their family. Right. And they want what's best for their kids. They want what's best for their family. Um, So, you know, that's a great, I I want the same thing. (laughs) right? And that's a great point to connect on um, because ultimately, you know, I would, you know, I used to take my grandpa's rosary with me when we would deploy my, my mom bought my grandpa this rosary i grew up catholic right um and uh you know it's like the the w- in places that are have you know islamic culture they have prayer beads as well right it's like we're not so different to be honest uh, so, so you think- kind of you
0: kind of cut out on me there i think what i heard you say was you took your your uh, and i don't know if it was my end or your end but your uh you took your your grandfather's rosary yeah um and then you can You came across the the quote unquote enemy who had their own prayer beads. It wasn't
1: necessarily necessarily the enemy per se, right? I I just, I would see, you know, Iraqi soldiers or soldiers in countries that I would work in, or maybe a Muslim with their prayer beads. And it's like, oh, it's, you know, we we come from the same world, frankly, right? We care about the same thing. So I think, you know, it really, what really, what I enjoyed most about being a, a special forces officer was just the ability to connect with people and share what we value, understand what they value, and build trust, right, with them. Um, and, and you know ultimately that's what that's what helps keep people safe, helps get the mission done, et cetera.
0: So was, was there was there any particular incident, any particular thing that you carry with you to this day that just really stands out and you reflect on from time to time? Maybe it's something that you pass along to, you know, to your kids you know, Hey, this is something, this is a lesson that you need to learn. I was able to experience it and learn it. And here's what I want you to take from my lesson. Is there anything like that that really stands out in your mind?
1: Yeah. I think, you know, you and I talked a little bit about, uh, respect, respect is free, right? It's free to give. Um, and I think that that's something that always stuck stuck out to me, uh, in the military and something I try to do It's certainly not perfect at it. Um, But something that I really try to do is, is, you know, it's easy to just give people respect, no matter where um, you're from or they're from, or the the sort of cultural nuances and differences that you have, Um, you know, and I had, I think I shared with you one example of, um, I was in a particular country and landed in that country, went to the base that I was at, met with the prefect of the the particular location, who is, you know, the city leader, and you know just said hey i just wanted to introduce myself to you i'm your neighbor i'm the new the new guy here um you know and if you need anything please just let me know uh and was able to really build a relationship there in a way that uh and he, the guy even said to me he said hey no one's ever come and done that before no one's come and introduced themselves to me uh and just without an ask right um so i think that's certainly something i've carried forward and i think um so you he know, was expecting
0: I, you to come and, and, and say, Hey, I'm here to introduce myself, but here's what I need. Here's what I'm asking of you. And I, I'm hearing you say the, you didn't ask him for anything. You just went in there and you built a relationship.
1: Yeah. It was, you know, it's again, it's, I'm your neighbor, I'm, you know, we're, we're going to live next to each other for a while. So might as well get to know me. Um, And, and I think that's uh, yeah, it's something I even tell. I, I it's, it's one of the things, ironically enough, I think that I, when I tr- left the military and transition out of the military, kind of underestimated um, how important it is in, in the in the civilian world, so to speak, to really invest in building trust with colleagues too, right? Because yes, particularly when you know in, in my world, when you went to a a team or you know a special forces company, a lot of that trust is assumed, right? Um, so you operate in a way that's like, okay, yeah, I'm the new guy, and yeah, I'm going to have to prove myself in certain ways, but um if i tell you something we're both green berets and you know you can take me at my word right um and i think a lot of people struggle with that when they leave the military because that's not how the outside world works right Uh you really do have to work on building trust so it's something that i've come back to in the sort of seasons of my life post-military because i think it's just as important uh now as it as it was then too
0: so when you introduce yourself to him and, and he you know again he as you said, he was a little surprised by that, that you didn't have any ask tied to uh, the introduction. Tell me how the, how the relationship that obviously set things on the right foundation, how did the relationship progress as a result of a simple act of respect?
1: I mean, it was, you know, we had a, a, you know, I'm sure it wasn't perfect and I'm sure there were, you know, the, uh, we had an understanding, right? We had a mutual understanding that I think uh, went well, um, and, you know, that, that uh, similar to sort of the episode and that I described when I was in Iraq with the special forces team. I mean, I got the, you know, this person invited me to essentially what was the equivalent of their, their child's baptism in their culture, right? And asked me to come and attend the ceremony, which I was just incredibly honored to do brought, brought me back, had me hold his newborn daughter. Right. And this is a, or this is a society where men are in one place, women are the other, you know, and he brings me back and has me hold his daughter with, you know, this pride that his daughter's, um, you know, meeting an American military officer. I mean, it was, it was something that was really, really cool. So, um, you know, I think being able, again, to realize that people just want the best for their family. They just want to live in peace and, and, uh, you know, make sure that their, their children have opportunities, more opportunities than they had. Um, and being able to connect with folks on, on that level, I think was a pretty powerful thing.
0: And so what was there, was, was there ever any tension that was create or that, that came about in that relationship?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, there were moments, sure. But any relationship with humans has that right. Um, and that's why you build trust. So you can, you can fall back and work through it. Um, which again, I think is just an incredible learning point that I've tried to bring forward. Um, and, and, you know, certainly, um, well, with my son, my son's only six. So we we just have to start with, hey, respect. You know, <laughs> don't talk to your grandma like that. Don't talk to your mom <laughs> like that. But uh, but we'll get there. We'll get there.
0: That's awesome. So do you have any idea where he is today? Did you, were you able to stay in touch with him?
1: Was that part nah. of the... no. Nah. Uh, no, I've not kept in touch there.
0: Yeah, that's but that's I, I love this story because I I really you know as you described Dan it, it you can actually tie it back to so many things that we deal with in the civilian world and uh, I mean you hit the nail on the head I mean when I transitioned out there were there were things that that I. I just took for granted, you know, because that was the world that that I came from, and you know, and if 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 you told me this, then I'm gonna believe it, and if I told you that, well, w- there's no reason to question. But there was a there, there was a, obviously a foundation of trust that that had developed out of our military service. Hey, you and I have both been through you know through all the same uh, bumps and bruises, so it's easy. Yeah. But I, I it it took me some time as well to relearn the importance of that relationship of that respect. I always had respect for people as human beings, but it's got to go deeper than that. It's, it's respect for, for the position they're in it's respect for, you know, what they have to go through on a daily basis. So I think that's a, 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 an unbelievably strong point. So, so I, I, you know, my, my question is this, what, when is, you know when is Army going to go back to their old ways and, and start losing to Navy again? Because I, I you got some, you, I mean oh, man. I, I'm here on a trip with with some Navy guys and they're talking about it. they're not happy about it.
1: Yeah, I lived through I lived through the dark days of Army football, so I'm uh, <laughs> quite, I'm quite pleased to see them uh, back on the back on the horse. Um, but like, I think uh, you know for anyone that's never been to an Army Navy football game, it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, it's a pretty amazing game. And, and certainly I've got very good friends from the Naval Academy. Um, very good friends. I mean, my grandfather again, served in the Navy. Um, so it's always a great, it's always a great, great time, uh, over a great sport. So, uh, but it's it's actually
0: on my, it's on my list. I haven't been,
1: well, you know, I can't promise you a victory anytime soon, but, uh, but you know. What are you well, do? you know,
0: I, I am attached <laughs> to the Navy, so I, I can't I really
1: pull for you. So uh, I know, I know I ju- it's unfortunate. Ju- but.
0: I'm just trying to be nice to all you guys and respect all you guys. Hopefully one of you all is going to invite me to the game one of these years. That's all. Well,
1: we'll have to get you up there at some point for sure.
0: So, one of the things that uh that I think is is really just ingrained in our blood, you know, we get out of the service, but we but we, you, you can't take the service out of us and, and serve in our community and serve in our country. Um, it's it's just, it's bred into us. What do you do to continue serving your community and your country today?
1: Yeah, I think, um, well, your point about it being bred into us, I think is from a long, um, you know, line of generations before us, of men and women doing the same thing, right? Um, right? So I think, you know, there can certainly be a sense when you leave the military. Um, and I've got, you know, I talk to a lot of veterans that are getting out and there can certainly be a sense sometimes of like, oh, you quit, um, you, you left, you left the fellas, you left your soldiers, you left your airmen. Right. Um, and that's unfortunate, right. Because I, I don't actually think that's the case, uh, particularly now where there's a lot of folks that leave service and still continue to serve in a variety of ways. Right. Um, You know, for me, it's been engaging in a lot of our veteran efforts at my company or on my own, you know, working with different veteran groups like carry the load. Right. Um, That to me is is has been um, an awesome responsibility and an awesome obligation that I see uh, for me personally. And it's kind of how I how I, um, you know, continue to stay connected to that world. Uh, and continue to to help where I can right Um, for folks that are that are continuing to serve and go into harm's way and or or frankly come back and are still in and dealing with with issues where they um they need some help or they need they need some fellowship they need people that they can trust right uh so for me it's been really you know engaging in the veteran community has been has been the place that I uh I like to serve or I've been sort of called to serve I suppose
0: that's awesome. That's awesome. So you're, uh, you know, you, you've been in the civilian world now for what, about six years, seven years, six years, yeah. six years. What, what, what have you found to be the most difficult aspect of that transition? Um, cause it's not an easy one. And, I mean, I don't care if you served in peacetime or, or wartime, it's not an easy one.
1: No, it's not an easy one, but I, you know, I, um, the military has a lot of incredible people. Right. And I think that, um, while there are certainly challenges, you know, everyone transitions at some point in their life, right. Everyone goes through a job change, a move, a life change. Right. And I think like, you know, the older we get, we realize that those are much more commonplace given the kind of season of life you're in. Um, so I think, I think like what, what I try to just share with folks is, um, you know, one of the things my godfather said to me when I got out was like, listen, first of all, you're going to be fine. You're going to be choosing between great options. So like absolve yourself of that. Right. Um, but really focus on what it is you want. What do you, what do you want to do? Um, and I thought that was great advice. And I try to share that as well. I think, um, it can be overwhelming. Certainly. Um, luckily there Mm -hmm. are a lot of resources out there now. Um, Maybe sometimes too many, right? It can be confusing which you know who you know. There's a lot it's a of great point. A lot of VSOS out there that are doing great, great work. Um, where do I start, right? It can be can be hard. The easy path is to kind of do what uh, you know. Grab grab a guy's playbook that you knew that's two years ahead of you, like we always do in the military, right? Sure. Um, but I Turnover think it, folder. Yeah, exactly, right. But it, it, unless you're really gonna. Um, I think you just got to put in the hard yards of, of kind of deep reflection about, Hey, what do I want? What's important to me? Um, you know, what, what do I want next? And there's no right answer, right? Like, that's also the other thing is like, what I want could be different than what Todd wants. Uh, we all kind of have to balance that equation, uh, ourselves. Right. So um, but I
0: think that's great advice that your godfather gave you. And, and ironically, my godfather, I mean, I still wear him around my neck every day. I mean, he, he's, uh, he, he was a tremendous influencer for me as well. And it, you're going to be okay because you're picking from great options. And, you know, we, we get so ingrained in the thought process of it's got to be right. Yeah. Well, you know what, I took a lot of wrong turns. But they they eventually put me into the right place, and and, and a lot of that was because of experiences that that sure. taught me how to how to break my fall. Um, you know, if you never if you never fall, you don't you don't learn how to break your fall. At some point, you will fall. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I love that that uh, it's hey, you're choosing from great options, so don't worry about it. And I love mean, it. I
1: was I was fortunate, right? Like not everyone is is maybe going to be in a position where they can choose between great options, but I think that there's, you know, if they're not, then the, the, the next thing is like, Hey, who are you engaging with and who are you asking for help? Right. Because there are a lot of resources out there and there's a lot of people that can help point you at the right direction. Um, because, you know, grad school or college might be for some and not for others, right. Going into a job in a particular sector might be for some, not for others. Again, there's like no right answers there, but, um, for me, having people that I trusted in the journey to kind of help me walk through that, I thought was critical. And I, I try to you know, get folks to, to find those same sorts of folks in their life.
0: So oh, I see your fly fishing gear back there. Are you, uh, you a big oh, fly fisherman?
1: I mean, I try. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy it. Not very good at it. Really good at scaring fish. Um, <laughs> my. Took my son. I made a mistake of taking taking my six year old fishing a couple of weeks ago, and about thirty minutes into it, he said, "Dad, why aren't you catching anything?" I was like, "Okay, I <laughs> guess out of we're the done. the <laughs> I guess we're done. Yes, yeah. I've you so, know I've
0: done it. I've done it twice in my life, and I w- I didn't grow up fishing. In fact, I you know every time I went, I was like, you know, this is boring. Um, yeah. But fly fishing is totally different. I mean, it's it just it's so therapeutic, and and you're you know, you, the water's running and, and, you know, the casting and, you know, I mean, it's just, I love it. I love it. No, so I, I think what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to figure out how I can get up to Colorado and uh, uh, we'll take your son uh, fly fishing. I'll, I'll make you look good. How about that?
1: I was going to say, if you can catch something, maybe we could do that, but I don't know. <laughs> no, there's a great, there's actually a great organization. We've got one of the biggest chapters out here in Colorado called Project Healing Waters. Um, that takes uh, disabled military veterans on fly fishing trips. So um, really? I think a lot of a lot of folks, you know, there's um, sport. Sport is is a ther- therapeutic for a lot of people. Whether it's you know biking, running, fly fishing, whatever it is. Um, but that's a great organization that that uh, does some of that work too.
0: That is awesome. I'm gonna have to look that up because again, that's just that's the kind of thing that I just uh, uh, I love fly fishing. I've only done it a couple of times, but just like I said, therapeutic. Would Dan, my friend, thank you very much for for taking the time out of your day and busy schedule. I know, I know, Palantir keeps you very busy, and uh, uh, I really thoroughly enjoyed getting to know you and spending that time with you out on the relay. Um, you know, you're for those who don't know you, you are way more subdued today then I got to know you out there because I saw I saw this guy that just man what a great guy a lot of respect but but man you were uh, you had me in stitches the whole time and so
1: well you know it's uh, I, I felt that 20 miles from West Point that we marched I was felt like I was living the Toby Keith song not as good as I once was
0: but as good <laughs> once
1: so you That's know right. had to got to keep it alive with the humor you know.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And you did. You kept me in stitches. But hey, my friend, thank you very much. Uh again, really do appreciate you coming on. And and uh I've I've actually told a couple of stories about you since that time we met because you you left an impression on me. And I think I think that really comes back to the lesson you gave us today, which is about respect.
1: I, I mean, appreciate you, just, that.
0: You, yeah. you can't you cannot overstate the importance of it. So
1: no, and I appreciate I appreciate you, and I appreciate what Carry the Load does. I mean, for for those who haven't marched in a Carry the Load event, um, you know, we were we were really proud to be obviously corporate sponsors. But personally, as someone who marched in a couple different locations, uh, it was a blast. I had a lot of fun just getting out there, um, meeting people, uh, giving myself a reason to be sore for a couple of days. Uh, it, it was pretty pretty awesome. So appreciate all the hard work you guys do to to uh, to spread Carry the Load's message for sure.
0: Well, you're, you're very welcome. And thanks for being a part of it. And, uh, you know, we always like to, to ask people, uh, you know, at the end of this, you know, who, who they're carrying. And so I would love it if you would just tell everybody, uh, you know, who you continue to carry this day and carry their memory so that they don't go forgotten.
1: Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I think Steven said it best when he's, when he said, you know, carry all the memory of all the, in my case, the special forces soldiers that have gone before me and that have served and, and have, have died, and, uh, and their families, I think it's critically important to remember the families of those who have served as well uh, and paid the ultimate sacrifice. So uh, that's who I'm carrying today and every day and appreciate the the platform to say that.
0: Absolutely. Dan, thanks again. And uh, for all of you out there, we really do appreciate you uh, signing in. Uh, you just met with another great American and, and remember there are those who just honor Memorial day once a year, but there are those who have to live with that. 365 days a year. So my question to you is always this, who are you carrying?